Hello everyone, I'm Guy Valente and this is the Valente Brothers Podcast. Once again, I'm joined by Pedro Valente. Thank you very much for joining us one more time. Let's talk about the history of Jiu-Jitsu in Brazil. Joaquim Valente. Hello everyone. As Professor Pedro said, today we're going to talk about the history of Jiu-Jitsu in Brazil. And we're going to start addressing a very controversial topic, the history of Jiu-Jitsu in Brazil. And recently, actually a few years already back, but recently through books and documentaries and a lot of material online, um, this gained some momentum. And I think it's time for us to tackle this. The myths of... So-called myths. The so-called myths of Jiu-Jitsu... Uh, involving the Gracie family, and I think that Pedro is a great source of information. We have, all of us, studied a lot the history, researched a lot, not only here in the United States, but going back to Brazil, going back to all of the material that's available now that has been digitalized over the years, newspaper articles, everything that Edu Gracie also left for us, Grandmaster Elio left the good and the bad newspaper articles. But we also went ahead and we went to the sources, right? We went to the, to the is it the Brazilian National Library? National Archives and National Library, yes. And we were able to, to find a lot of information to really, um, it's a puzzle. It feels like we're, we're trying to put a puzzle together and it's, in many ways fascinating, and in many ways it really helps us understand jiu-jitsu better. So, should we start with Let's some of the myths, or so-called myths? And yes, we should. And I believe that it is important for us to look at all this objectively. Unfortunately, there is a lot of hate out there, haters, trying to create conspiracy theories. Why, why is that? I guess it's human nature. Some people are just jealous of the success of others. And it's unfortunate because people who love jiu-jitsu, whose lives have been changed by jiu-jitsu, criticizing those who in many ways brought it for them, without whom they would not be practicing and enjoying the art that they love. And the criticism many times is in regards to possibly a very famous jiu-jitsu teacher or someone who was a very famous jiu-jitsu fighter, not giving credit to those that came before them. And I understand, I believe personally, we believe that's why we have a museum just outside our library to recognize the history and as we research and as we um, discover the people and the the facts that really made jiu-jitsu what it is today, we tried to, to pay tribute to that in our museum. But I think that if, if someone is not a historian, if they are not a researcher, they don't have the obligation to cite and to talk about everyone that came before them. Imagine a basketball player today having to talk. I think it's very nice, and I appreciate when they do that. Right? I really enjoy... I love professional sports. I really like basketball. And it's nice to see a professional basketball player talking about Wilt Chamberlain, talking about all the great Bill Russell and all the great players that came before them. But it's not their obligation. And it's even, it's not their obligation to be 100% accurate about everything. Now we have access to these national archives. But before... Many times they are talking about things that they didn't witness. Yeah. They weren't even born when these events actually took place. And it's a lot of hearsay. They hear stories from the older generation, and the older generation many times are discussing things that happened, happened 30, 40, 50 years before. And it's natural that this information many times is not accurate. It's up to the researchers, it's up to the historians to be able to tell the story accurately. Um, this hate that we see online creates conspiracy theories. 
right? I found this article with these so-called myths, and they actually say that the Gracie family conspired to suppress the facts of the family history. Like, the, the family conspired to suppress the facts as if there was like a meeting and they were discussing, look, we're not going to say this, we're going to, and we are part of um, the jiu-jitsu family. We've been around this for a long time, for three generations, and we know that this is absolutely not true. We know that sometimes claims are made that are not accurate, but there's no, no bad will, there's no bad intention. It's just that many times yeah, but people don't know. Let's go to the myths, because, or the so-called myths, because I think some of these are completely um, unfounded. Correct. So, according to this, there's a myth that Elu invented modern BJJ. I agree with that. I think it's true. It's not a myth. But go ahead, and I'll explain why I believe that's true and not a myth. We've talked about this several times, so I know why you think it's true, and I think that from that perspective, it is true. But, yeah. but let's start by saying that Elio Gracie himself, in several interviews, said that he didn't invent anything. Yeah, but let's also define, so I think this is also one of the difficulties in all of this. And so Elio invented modern BJJ. So what is the author talking about? Because modern BJJ could have different definitions. So what is he saying here? What is, he's talking about jiu-jitsu in Brazil, the Brazilian lineage of jiu-jitsu? Yeah, he talks about everything and mixes everything up. So I think when you say modern BJJ, so modern BJJ, so BJJ of the modern times, right? Because if you talk about the 1930s, there's nothing modern about BJJ in the 1930s. It's modern jiu-jitsu, but not modern BJJ. Modern BJJ, this article, I think, was written in 2016. So if there, he's talking about modern BJJ, he needs to be talking about something that happened not more than 20, 30 years before. So modern BJJ, to me, is what we see in the, in the IBJJF tournaments. And those rules were created or invented by a federation that was presided by Grandmaster Elio Gracie. So if you're going to... Obviously, it's a collective effort. Correct. Like everything else in life. Grandmaster Carlos Gracie was... I don't know if officially, but he was like a chairman. Chairman of the board. Chairman of the board. And there were other directors under um, Grandmaster Helio who obviously played a very important role. But the president of the federation... And the chairman of the federation... Was... Were Carlos and Carlos Helio Gracie. Gracie. So those two invented modern BJJ as a sport... If you go to Wikipedia and you look at when the sport of football or uh, soccer was created, they don't talk about the ancient Chinese game where they were kicking the ball and it was very similar. They talk about the rules, the modern rules of the sport. And they go back to the 19th century in England. So the sport that is practiced today, called BJJ, was invented by Elio Grace, obviously, Grandmaster Carlos Grace should be given credit for that as well, as the brothers were very united and worked together. As some other grandmasters like Francisco Mansur, João Alberto Barreto, Elcio Leal Binda, Elcio Leal Binda who was the executive yes. of the federation, and others and who contributed as well. So, how should we then say this? Is it it's then false to say that this is a myth? Correct. Now, like you said before, Elio Gracie talked about my jiu-jitsu. In Portuguese, when you say my jiu-jitsu, o meu jiu-jitsu, o meu futebol, we talk about, every Brazilian knows that our style of soccer, the Brazilian style of soccer, was developed in Brazil, and it means what? In general, even though there are different styles of soccer in Brazil, depending on the region, but what became world famous? The Jinga, that very relaxed, creative style of Jogo soccer. bonito, as they Jogo call bonito. it. Jogo bonito, correct. So, when Grandmaster Edu referred to his jiu-jitsu, he's talking about what he practiced for almost 80 years and the style that he developed. On top of that, the teaching method 
that he developed, that he was part of the process early on, and that he used again for probably 60 years as, as the head of the academy and the head of the school working on. Now, Edu Gracie invented the arm lock. Edu Gracie invented the triangle. He never said that. Correct. And let me say something. If you, because they say myth. Elio Gracie invented modern BJJ. Fact. Fact. They call it a fact. Every aspect of early modern, early modern BJJ was already being trained at, and taught as early as 1905 in the USA and England. False. And then it says, obviously BJJ has evolved independently of judo since the late 1990s. He calls this a fact. So the the, the evolution, the independent evolution of jiu-jitsu in Brazil from judo only started in the late 90s, and he calls this a fact. You trained judo in the 80s, didn't you? A lot. Was it the same as what you learned in jiu-jitsu? Completely different. Completely different. So it's, it's sad that they call this a fact. They call... Myth, Elio Gracie invented modern BJJ. And if we're talking about the sport... He did. Fact, the evolution, the independent evolution of jiu-jitsu with respect to judo in Brazil only started in the late 90s. That's called a fact by this article. Yeah, sometimes when we talk about history, of course, we have students from all over the world traveling to Miami to visit our school and to train in our school and to participate in courses. We have even courses on the history of jiu-jitsu, of the martial arts. But sometimes I, I see some comments on our YouTube videos. Um, some individuals claim that we're very biased because we were students of Edu Grace. And what would you respond to that? I would respond that we, even though there is a bias, no question, Edu Grace was like a grandfather to us, so we're not going to deny that. But we are always open to discussing with anyone about these, subject, these subjects based on the facts. So we would not allow our bias to interfere with our objectivity. And if anyone wants to have a debate with us on these issues, presenting facts without emotional, without emotional reactions, without hate, but just discussing the facts, we are totally open to being convinced Otherwise. Otherwise. As was Grandmaster Helio. 100%. And I think this is something that, you know, he always spoke about, that he was always open to change. If he believed that that change was done with rectitude, if he believed that change was for justice. And, uh, and I think that's why we continue and we follow that same belief. Now, one thing that, Grandmaster Pedro always talks about, uh, Grandmaster Pedro, Professor Pedro always talks about, is soon, 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 is the idea that today the access to information is so much easier, right? From our phones, we have access to all the national archives, we have access to YouTube videos from footage from the 50s, from the 60s, sometimes even from early on, and we can really see. Oh yeah, this was done before, this was not. But as a jiu-jitsu practitioner, many times we find techniques that we believe that we were the ones who created, that we were having that conversation recently, correct? Correct. That's very, very common. And the book Game of Jiu-Jitsu, written by Taro Miyake and Yukio Tan in 1905, some of the pioneers of jiu-jitsu in the, in the Western world, talks about that. That every advanced practitioner actually develops a personal style of jiu-jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu lends itself for great creativity by the practitioner who develops a personal style. And so that is very natural, for, especially for those who don't study the history and don't look at the, the repertoire of techniques of fighters who came before. They might have that impression, that illusion, that they created something when something was actually done before. But that illusion today is much easier for you to not have that illusion when you're constantly seeing footage and you're seeing techniques on the internet that yes. are very similar to what you're doing. Correct. But back then, when you, you, to send a letter from one place to the other would take a long time, for you to be able to have that same notion would be much harder. 
Absolutely. And, and let me go back to the article here because it says the following. The Gracies did not use any techniques that were not used by every jiu-jitsu man and luta livre fighters. The Gracies did not use any techniques that were not used by every jiu-jitsu man. So the person who wrote this article, the question that I would have for this person is this. How many lessons did he take with Elio Gracie to know exactly every technique that Elio Gracie knew and was using back in the 30s? How many videos of Elio Gracie's fights has this person seen to be able to make this assertion? I think this assertion becomes impossible for someone who does not know Elio Gracie deeply and the techniques that he was using. To say that no techniques, that every technique that Elio Gracie was using was also used by every jiu-jitsu fighter. Every. Every. Right? So you can see that this is not, and this is treated as a fact. Yes, and we would like to invite the author of this document and of these books. Um, we don't know the author's name. Correct. He uses a pseudoname, but we would be very interested to have him come even here. Yes. To our school, or if that's not possible, to have a conference online so that we can debate. Debate. And we would like to. to and possibly be convinced by him. And possibly <laughs> be convinced by him, of course, because that's really our objective as we study history and as we research. We feel that unlike a fighter, we are teachers. And as jujitsu teachers, and we believe in teaching jujitsu in a very holistic way, it is our responsibility to teach history. It is our responsibility to teach the philosophy. And to do that, we have to prepare ourselves and we have to study. And if there's something that we're saying, that we're writing, that is incorrect, and it has happened already, we are always willing to make those changes, 100%. So um, whoever wrote this, the author of a few books, Again, he uses a pseudoname. So please, if, if anyone knows him, please let him know that he is invited to have a discussion with us if he wants to meet us in person or if he wants to have a, a debate, private or um, in public. We're open to that. Another claim that he makes is that um, Elu, or a myth uh, that was, um, was said that Elu invented leverage. What do you say to that? Elio Gracie never said that. He invented leverage? <laughs> yeah, the, the author says that Elio didn't say he invented leverage. He said in 2001 that he added leverage to the techniques that he assimilated by watching his brother. He, he used to use the example of the jack. He said, can you lift a car with your hands? And the person would say, no. He said, I can. I use a jack. So what I did is when I had difficulty using a technique... I would add a jack, I would add leverage, I would try to do it in an easier way. And let me ask you, who doesn't do that? Who doesn't always try, and that's what the game of jiu-jitsu says, it allows for the practitioner to always try to adapt, and especially someone who had little access to jiu-jitsu, right? Grandmaster Carlos Gracie was training under Mitsuo Maeda, and that's another one that they call a myth, and we can discuss this one as well, for a few years. And so they were all very eager to learn and trying to, improvise and develop their own style and training a lot. So it's only natural that these things happen. But to say that he invented leverage, he would always use actually a, a quote by Archime Archimedes. Archimedes. Uh, Archimedes, where, um, if, give me a lever and I can lift the earth, the world. So give me a point of support, give me a fulcrum and I can lift the world. I don't, exact, I don't remember exactly the quote, but, but obviously leverage was not invented by Elio Gracie, and he never claimed that. I'm going to keep reading through them, if you have any others that you think are I worth. think one that we can discuss, and it's repeated here over and over, is this. I'll, I'll, I'll use this 12th one here. It says, myth, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is not Kodokan Judo. 
So it's a myth that Brazilian jiu-jitsu is not Kodokan Juru. So what he's trying to say is that the fact is that Brazilian jiu-jitsu is Kodokan Juru. And Pedro, I think it's worth saying that this is a pretty common point that not just this gentleman, maybe he influenced others, but a few researchers, a few historians make this claim. And unfortunately, I believe that most of these historians, like you asked earlier, our experience training judo as children, even as young adults in different judo schools and very respected and top-level judo schools in Brazil. I also had the opportunity to visit the Kodokan in Japan. I know that both of you had that as well. And we also, of course, we practice jiu-jitsu not only with Elio Gracie himself, but with many jiu-jitsu teachers under Grandmaster Elio. And this makes absolutely no sense. No sense. It's just false. And I think first we need to define Kodokan Juro. And that's something that we've been studying a lot lately. And by the way, we have great respect for Kodokan Juro. We have great respect for Jigoro Kano, Grandmaster Jigoro Kano. One of our students moved to Japan for a short period and he was go going back and forth due to work. And he asked me at the time, what should I do? Should I find a school in, in Japan? This is years ago, probably 12 years ago. And I said, you know what? Why don't you go to the Kodokan? He lived very close to the Kodokan. And I know that now there are several jiu-jitsu schools in Japan too. But at the time, I thought for his development, it would be best for him to go to Kodokan. And he joined the Kodokan and he became a black belt in judo. And we trained judo from when we were little kids. And, we, and the judo training really helped us. Helio Gracie trained judo. Correct. With Tada. His Japanese judo teacher. But to say that judo and jiu-jitsu are the same and that jiu-jitsu in Brazil is nothing but kodokan judo is just false. And as I said, first we have to define what kodokan judo is. Kodokan judo is a style of jiu-jitsu. Kodokan judo is a teaching according to Jigoro Kano himself. Because the words are not so different. Right? For us... When we hear these words, they sound very different. Judo, jiu-jitsu. But for a Japanese person, it's the art of flexibility, gentle art, you can call it different names, but it's the gentle art or the gentle way. The most important word is ju. Jiu-jitsu, judo. So they asked Jigoro Kan, why not come up with a completely new word? They're too similar. He said, because I wouldn't feel comfortable because what I'm doing is the same but I introduced a new teaching methodology based on scientific methods, grouping the techniques differently. He lived one year in Germany, for example, one year of his life in Germany. He studied Western teaching methodologies, scientific ways, and he introduced all of that and created his own style of teaching jiu-jitsu, but it was still jiu-jitsu. It was still jiu-jitsu. So when they say that jiu-jitsu is judo, I would say that judo is jiu-jitsu. Now, Jigoro Kano's method was very particular. He had the Gokyo, the set of the five groups of techniques. So in order for some, in either, to be true to Jigoro Kano, in order for a style of jiu-jitsu to be called Kodokan Juro, they have to follow the Kodokan method. And it is a fact that the Gracies never followed the Kodokan method. And just a quick recap for those of you that don't know the story. Jigoro Kano, as Pedro said, was a student of jiu-jitsu. A couple different jiu-jitsu schools, possibly three he had access to. And after opening his own school, he wanted to introduce jiu-jitsu in the education system of Japan. A very brief um, version of the story. He was not able to do that. And in part, the reason was that jiu-jitsu had developed a bad reputation in Japan for various reasons. So he decided to, and this is my own opinion now, he decided to rebrand jiu-jitsu. And in doing that, he had to change the name. And it was just a very simple change, as Pedro just pointed out. Instead of jiu-jitsu, 
judo. That's what happened. And he did an amazing job. And what in does organization, his methodology. Jugoro Kano was a brilliant educator. And why do? Because he wanted to say, look, this is not just fighting. It's not jitsu. It's not our old ways. It's do, which means an enlightened path, a way of life, a philosophy. Connected with the Meiji restoration, the period that Japan was um, at the moment in. And Meiji is exactly that, man. enlightenment, the light. And it was still a style of jujitsu. And many of the Japanese who were teaching in Brazil, I can mention the Ono brothers who were very, very high level practitioners, black belts from Japan who moved to Brazil, they would actually refer to judo as the more sportive and grappling aspect and to jiu-jitsu as the self-defense. And when you mention Ono, it reminds me of Grandmaster Elio. Whenever he told us about his fight with one of the Ono brothers, Grandmaster Elio was very humble. And Grandmaster Elio always respected those that could actually teach him something. And talking about jujitsu, of course. And he always said, you know, the first round or the first right two rounds that when I fought Onu, I felt like I was inside a blender. That's how he, he referred to his experience fighting Onu. It felt like he dominated me in such a way that it felt like I was inside a blender. And he would tell this to his students. He was not afraid to show any type of weakness. And he was very proud that he was able to resist Onu's attacks and not be tapped out, not lose that grappling um, challenge. Correct. So, another myth that I think we can discuss yes. is when they say... I looked up the quote, just sorry, very quickly, that Guy asked. It says, give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum on which to place it, and I shall move the world. Yes. And that's really what jiu-jitsu is. A big part of jiu-jitsu is the lever and the fulcrum. Every technique, you have to understand, where's the lever and where's the fulcrum? Correct. Grandmaster João Alberto Barreto really likes to use the lever and the fulcrum when he's explaining techniques. Correct. So another myth here, and, and, and we're, let's focus on Elio Gracie as a fighter. I think the first thing that we should mention is that Elio Gracie never claimed that he was a great fighter. He always gave credit to jiu-jitsu. He always said, I'm a weak guy, I'm skinny. A, exactly. And many people then, we can talk about that, misinterpret that. Yes. And he was trying, Grandmaster Elio, now there's this whole, I might be jumping ahead, Pedro, but... Oh, Grandmaster Elio was not weak. And they, you know, he was an athlete. They also already. treat that as a myth here. Myth 21. Elio was small, sickly, and weak. Myth. Grandmaster Elio was very skinny. He was very light. He fought fighters that were often much heavier than he was. But the reason why he was always saying that, not only because it was true, but it was because he wanted to keep the spotlight on jiu-jitsu, not on himself. It's a great thing. He did not even like to take pictures showing any of his, like his physique or his muscles. He was against that. He wanted really to give confidence to students that it's not my strength, it's not Elio Gracie, it's jiu-jitsu. And if I can do it, you can do it as well. That was his mission, lifelong mission. Correct. Correct. So, Elio Gracie defeated a boxing champion. Is that a myth according to they the author? They call it a myth. And then they say, Antonio Portugal was no champion. It's interesting that later they say Elio Gracie was, was, it's a myth that Elio Gracie was small, sickly, and weak because he was a champion swimmer. So, Antonio Portugal, who was a professional boxer, cannot be called a champion. But Elio Gracie, who was an amateur teenage swimmer, can be called a champion by him. So he calls Elio Gracie a champion when it's convenient for him to use the word champion. But hold on. Was Antonio Portugal in any way... He was a professional fighter. Was he the national champion? No. 
there's no record of him ever being a national champion. But but Elio Gracie was not a champion swimmer either. So that's what I'm saying, that they use the facts conveniently to support their narrative, which is a narrative, let me say, because you would say, why does this gentleman hate Elio Gracie so much? It's not his beef. Apparently, he was very close to someone in Brazil who had a serious problem, a judo teacher in Brazil, who had a serious problem with the Gracies, a personal problem with the Gracies, who used to work for the Gracies and left on very bad terms. And I think because he probably had a very strong connection with this judo teacher, he is perpetuating the, the feelings of that particular person. And I think that's where this comes from. Because you can, we can clearly identify the bias and the hate coming from this person. But hold on. If somebody is not a champion, should we say they're a champion? You know what? That's a very interesting question. At that time, and I think that Elio Gracie should definitely not be called a champion. Well, did he win, win a race? Because that happens even today in jiu-jitsu, in sport jiu-jitsu. Why the double standard? Did, Why, a did white Antonio champion? Portugal win, the, win a fight? Well, a white belt today in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu can call himself a champion, a national champion. I don't know, even maybe, sorry, I don't follow sport Jiu-Jitsu too much, but I think even a world champion, a blue belt can be a world champion. So, But at that time, you, you, are, you know this better than I do because you are, have a master's degree in sports management and sports sciences, but... At that time, they didn't have so many organized championships, a national champion. It was difficult to travel. So they used the word Brazilian champion in a different way. Even Elio Gracie himself, he referred to himself as the, and that's treated as a myth here as well. But at that time, when you were very proficient at something, it was very common for the press to treat you as a Brazilian champion. Brazilian champion. Because... I understand, yes. It was, there, was, there was no Brazilian, official Brazilian champion. the comparison you made was perfect because Elio Gracie was a champion swimmer, but the boxer was not a champion. Correct. And Elio Gracie was a 15-year-old swimmer who... And if Antonio Portugal won a fight, and which was not part of a championship, he's the champion of that event. Correct. So, we can, we can, so that's the point. They're using everything in a way just to try to advance a narrative that... In the beginning of the article, it's already explained that there is this conspiracy to change the story. Yeah, and it's... It's the same. So go ahead. It's also because I think that precision is very important. And I think that we should learn always from situations and we should try to get better, as we said many times. So if it's false that someone is a champion, if it's false that Elio Grace was a swimming champion, we should understand that. If it's false that Antonio Portugal, he never won any type of championship, we should understand that as well. We should note that historically. However, when we talk about history, as Pedro just said, what's the term? Time relativity? Can we say that? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I don't know the exact term, but you have to look at it from the lens of the time. The time. And sometimes, I think today, even in society, that's very hard when we talk about history in general, um, it's difficult. Sometimes it's very difficult because we tend to look at situations through our own lens. Yeah. With the lens, of, from the perspective of the time, with the lens, with the view of that but time. But we should do that. So there's one that I wanted to talk about, Go ahead. which is myth number nine. <laughs> Elio Gracie was Brazil's first sports hero and then... Period, different sentence. Elio Gracie was a living legend in Brazil. So he's also saying that Elio Gracie was not a living legend in Brazil. And he claims that the only reason that Elio is remembered today is because Rorion made Jiu-Jitsu successful in North America. And this one is one that I remember walking with Grandmaster Elio in Brazil, supermarkets and everywhere. And Grandmaster Elio was a very famous person in Brazil. He was recognized by people you know, people from all ages, and especially older people. Of course. Yeah, I remember all the parents of my friends knowing who Grandmaster Elio was, not for any work that was done in the United States by Horion, which was an amazing work, but by the fights that Grandmaster Elio had in Brazil for the work he did in Brazil. 
some people might come to that conclusion because they are from other states in Brazil. And it's true that in the 1980s, if you were in Sao Paulo or in the Northeast, young people might not know who Helio Gracie was. But in Rio, he was very famous even in the 90s. I remember in 1988 when there was an altercation in the airport and my father was a part of it. You can find that story in, different, in, in our previous podcasts. But I remember a lot of people at the airport saying, wow, Helio Gracie knocked out this guy. Helio Gracie, Helio Gracie. So, and this was before the UFC. So once again, they are trying to debunk certain things with no, with no actual grounding. And like you said, grounding. You know, he, the author here at this, in this text doesn't talk about this directly. He's, he talks about different um, sports. And, but I've heard from different historians too who say that, no, before Elio Gracie, there was um, a great athlete in Brazil who was forgotten. Well, most people, unfortunately are forgotten. One of the amazing things about Grandmaster Elio and Grandmaster Carlos is that they were able to almost, you know, perpetuate is a very um, powerful word, but they were able to maintain their names and their accomplishment for so many, through so many generations, very relevant and actually make it even larger because through their children and through their students, they were able to continue not only having success in fights, but opening schools all over the world. So is that something negative? Should we think, oh, that's only, no, well, they're only famous because of this or that. Or in that location, you know, Rio de Janeiro was the capital of Brazil until 1960. So he was very famous in the capital of Brazil. But what kind of talk is that? <laughs> exactly. Right? What kind of talk? Oh, he's only famous because his son. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And it gets worse. Look at this one. Helio Gracie, myth, 22. Helio Gracie was a great fighter. Myth. And then it says... Elio Gracie had 10 public professional fights between 1932 and 1936. Eight of the 10, 10 were grappling only matches. Grappling only matches. So he's saying that the match with Fred Ebert was grappling only? With elbow strikes and knee strikes and headbutts? And, and the fact that he was able to go against Japanese black belts like Yasuichi Ono. Two matches, 100 minutes each. One hour and 40 minutes each. And not to get submitted. Is that not impressive for a Brazilian person in a Japanese sport? At a time that only the Japanese knew this sport? And Elio Gracie was able to resist? Because then he goes on to say that it's a myth that the Gracies were ground-fighting experts. It's a myth. Let me tell you something. Takio Yano. Takio Yano was a very respected black belt from Japan. In fact, when he came to Brazil in the 30s, he was the head instructor at Mitsuyo Maeda School in Belém do Pará. And then he moved to Rio. And he had a match with Elio Gracie. And he did throw Elio Gracie many times, but he wanted nothing to do with the ground because he respected Elio Gracie's ground grappling skills. And what they say here when they say that the Gracies are not experts, they say all grapplers fought on the ground. All jiu-jitsu fighters, judokas, and luta livre fighters fought on the ground. Even pro catch wrestlers. There was nothing unusual about the Gracie's philosophy, strategy, or methodology. That's inaccurate. That's not a fact. Because we know that judo, kodokan judo, and even jigorokan, favor throwing techniques. And I'm not even discussing if they're right or wrong. But the truth is that jigorokan and kodokan judo, from the beginning, saw the ground as a complement to the throws. And the Gracie saw 
that throws as a complement to the ground. That inversion is critical. Oh, but there were others doing that before, maybe. But that was not Kodokan Juro. And we have to look at what happened with Mataimon Tanabe. We have to look at the style of Tarumiaki. We have to look at the style of Uenishi, who were not Kodokan representatives. And they say, well, but Elio Gracie didn't learn from him. Well, but Carlos Gracie learned from Maeda and Jacinto Ferro, who was Maeda's student, in the north of Brazil. And Maeda spent a lot of time with Uenishi, with Yukiotani, with Tarumiaki in London. And how can you be sure that they, he was not influenced by them and by their style, especially in having to fight against wrestlers and boxers? So, and we can get into detail. Sure. Right? But I think that the idea, really, and I'm sure there are many viewers that really like the details and they really like to, to, to learn all the small events that took place that led to all of this and to, to these claims also that justify some of the claims that make some of the claims completely false. However, I think the message of this video, and we're not going to cover all of it today, is really one of trying to always, and we can go back to Larson, Christian Larson, Right? And I'm sure you'll find one of the, one of the commandments. Optimistic, optimist creed. Creed, yes. That really touches on the outlook that we should have towards life so that we don't fall in this negativity trap, this trap of trying to disconstruct, if that's the word in English, that exists, Right, destroy someone's... Deconstruct. Deconstruct, I don't know if it exists, but pretty much destroy, we can say destroy, an attempt to rewrite history, which I think sometimes is important, but in this case, it's a clear attempt to just try to attack a beautiful story, a beautiful history. That helped so many people. That has helped so many people, that has really put jiu-jitsu the way we practice all over the world, right? And the people that like sport jiu-jitsu, they can do that as well all over the world. That gives profession to so many people, not just to teachers, but to journalists, to, you know, in business. So many individuals benefit today from the work of Carlos and Elio Gracie. And before we go, I want to talk about the first one and the last one. I actually wanted to talk about another one too, so... Yes, and, and we have some time. Yes. But the first one, myth number one, anyone who doubts Gracie in action, the history, talk, the history told in the Gracie in action video, is a Gracie hater. I agree, that's a myth. That's a myth. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to question. We do that all the time. And even those who told that story... Even Grandmaster Horion Gracie himself wouldn't doubt that because I have these conversations with him as well. Oh yeah, those that are offended by the people who are trying to investigate, to research, they think that, you know, don't talk about, you know, the history of jiu-jitsu. You don't know, it's what it is. And no, there's no room for, for any type of discussion. We're completely against that. Correct. So it is, it is a myth that questioning the history, and trying to learn new things. It's just the tone. What I refer to is, is the tone of blatantly trying to destroy. Just for the sake of, I'm not going to give you credit. You don't deserve credit. Without even having met these individuals. And from those who are benefiting today from their work. Because when you talk about those that, according to you, have been forgotten, unfortunately, they were forgotten. But the reason why Grandmasters Carlos and Elio Gracie were not forgotten is the reason why today you have a job. Correct. So be grateful. And maybe why your books are being sold. Or your videos. or So, again, and we don't say this in a negative way as well. And we don't say this in a confrontational way. We're always open 
to a good and healthy debate. Correct. We love to debate. That's the one thing that the Valencia brothers like to do is debate. And we can and we can agree with we can disagree without becoming disagreeable. Of course. We can always be friends in the end. Yes. Even if we disagree. And if you don't want to have Grandmaster Edu Gracie's or Grandmaster Carlos Gracie's pictures on your school, that's okay too. Sure. It's a free country. That's a great thing about the United States of America. But don't we just, our advice is that it looks bad. That's just an advice. It looks bad for a jiu-jitsu teacher, someone that works in the jiu-jitsu community, to try to take away Grandmaster Edu's credit or Grandmaster Carlos' credit. I think it's great to talk about Donato Pires dos Reis. Very important. Those of you that don't know Donato, research. It's important to talk about Jacinto Ferro. Just like it's important to talk, without comparing the importance in history, all the great teachers here at Valente Brothers. Valente Brothers is not just about Pedro, Gui, and Joaquin. Correct. We have great instructors here. And some people, one of the myths here is that, oh, Carlos Gracie didn't learn from, or myth, Carlos learned from Mitsu Maeda. First of all, if you weren't there, you don't know. Correct. Carlos I said he did. So unless you can prove otherwise, you have to go with his word. Because people, they believe, many of these people, yes. they believe everyone else. Yes. Everyone else. For example, I was gonna say Kimura that. broke Elio Gracie's arm. Why do you say that? Because Kimura said that in his book. Well, we have pictures of Elio Gracie in the shower after the fight, washing his head. No, no, but, Elio, but Kimura said, so it must be true. But Carlos Gracie said he trained in Maeda, with Maeda. And not just Carlos Gracie. Samuel Pinto, that's a, a primary source. source. Samuel Pinto, who is the, the father-in-law father of Grandmaster João Alberto Barreto. He was Carlos Gracie's friend in Belém do Pará, and they trained together under Jacinto Ferro and both, under Mitsui Maeda. Both, both natives of uh, Belém do Pará. Correct. Now, you mentioned that myth... And you talked about exactly what I was going to mention as well as far as how some of these historians, they choose. It's a selective process. And it's not even professional, in my opinion. No. It's not done professionally. And again, this is not an attack on anyone. It's just my observation. Because when you select sources according to what you're trying, my opinion is this. This is what we've done. This is what we've done. We've dived into this history trying to be as unbiased as humanly possible based on our connection with Grandmaster Ed. Again, because we feel that our responsibility as teachers, our word, our honor is right there. We're not going to perpetuate something that we know is false based on our responsibility with our students daily, telling them stories, telling them what happened, talking about history. We can't do that as teachers. So I don't know exactly what so, number it is. Mm -hmm. No, So prove to us that something we're saying is not true and we'll change right away. But you exactly. have to prove, not with this type of, of fact, quote-unquote fact that I see here. Maeda, let me just mention this. Actually, Kimura... They say it's a myth that Kimura invited Grandmaster Elio to go to Japan and to teach in Japan. Why do they say it's a myth? Because it's not published in a newspaper? Yeah. What about Grandmaster Elio having a discussion, having a nice chat with his opponent after the fight? Actually, Kimura was in Brazil not just one time, yeah. several times, and had other fights in Brazil. Grandmaster Elio was present in these fights and some of these fights isn't it possible that Kimura said hey Grandmaster Elio next time through a translator next time you have a chance it would be great for you to come to Japan so we can meet and you can teach us I think that's something so natural between two um, opponents and no it's false because it's not in a newspaper again it's a selective process of just choosing sources and choosing what to believe and that is not enough to convince us correct it's not enough to and convince you start us. to see some kind of bad intention 
Correct. And that's right. what's problematic. To deconstruct, like correct. Professor Guy said, which is correct. Yes. Deconstruct. Deconstruct. Very good. Good. Anything else? And then the last one, which is, I think, it's, it can also lead to a, a bigger conversation, but it says, Horion Gracie, it's a myth that Horion Gracie introduced jiu-jitsu to America. That's so unfair. Because, yes, we know that Grandmaster João Alberto Barreto, Grandmaster Flavio Bering were in America before Horion, giving, doing demonstrations for the FBI. Carley Gracie? Carley Gracie came before Horion. Reilson Gracie also apparently was here in America before Horion. The same way that many jiu-jitsu, some jiu-jitsu practitioners were in Brazil before also, even before Maeda, before Sada Miyako. But, but who introduced, when you say someone introduced something to a country, it's not the first person to practice it in the country. It has to do with the I impact. I think we should keep this for a next episode. That's a good one. Yes. Very controversial. Did Horion introduce jiu-jitsu to the United States? And was that jiu-jitsu... Brazilian was that jiu-jitsu Gracie was that jiu-jitsu I think it's very interesting when we have to say Japanese jiu-jitsu the word is Japanese <laughs> but anyways it's a good topic a very yes. good topic so again thank you so much we appreciate all of you please don't forget to leave your comments also if you can like our page if you can subscribe to our page that would be very helpful and most importantly most importantly Plan to come visit us in Miami now that we can start all traveling again. Thank you so much. And if you enjoyed, like, subscribe to our page. One more time, yes. Yes. <laughs> and when you comment, when you comment, make sure you comment based on, you know, base your comment with facts. It's very important because we want to learn from you. So make sure that you always give us facts so that we can continue this great debate. And next time we can discuss some of your points. But also. if you have opinions, it's okay too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> good or bad. Thank so, you very much good. for the support, for watching, listening to us. And we hope to see all of you very soon again. Thank you. Thank you very much.